everybody and welcome along to episode 8 of Arsehole Animals with Alice. I'm your host, Alice Vasalo, and today we're venturing out into the suburbs of America to discuss an animal that has been infiltrating the porches and trash cans of thousands of homes over the years. Today we're discussing opossums. I'll give you a quick rundown of this species and then we'll bring on our guest. The word opossum is borrowed from the Native American Powhatan language and was first thought to be noted in the early 1600s by none other than John Smith. You know, Pocahontas' boyfriend. If we're going by the Disney movie, not the actual story, of course. Don't Wikipedia that story unless you want to be depressed. We should note that opossums and possums are actually different animals. Opossums are found in South, Central and North America, but the true possums are found in Australia and Tasmania. Possums are marsupials, meaning they are mammals whose females have a pouch that houses their young, called joeys. The type of possum that you'll find in the US and Canada is the Virginia opossum, known for their white faces and grey bodies, cute beady eyes, and also for their bizarre behaviour of playing possum. You're more likely to see an opossum at night since they're mostly nocturnal animals, but during the day you may catch a glimpse of one of the most amazing sights in nature. A mother possum waddling along carrying lots of baby possums on her back. Truly a sight that would melt the hearts of even the most cruelest of humans. Except the Tories, of course. The possums in your yard are not something to be feared, however. They're very docile and are about as non-confrontational as Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith live on air. They are a good pest control, however, eating rodents and snakes in the area. But although they can't give you rabies, they can pass on other diseases. So it's best to give them their space when you see them, lest you become gravely ill from an encounter with one. I'd give the same advice when approaching Tories. Wait, can I do two Tory jokes in one episode? Ah, whatever, these jokes write themselves. So now that you're all clued up about opossums, let's bring on our guest. And now it's time for me to introduce my amazing guest. He's an educator, animal ambassador for the world-famous San Diego Zoo, and host of the brilliant podcast, Amazing Wildlife, the incredible and dashing Rick Schwartz is here. Thank you so much, Rick, for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you for that intro. I have to, I have to book you to intro me at, at other talks I give as well. That was nice. Thank you. I mean, it's high praise, but it's deserved. You know, so <laughs> I don't say things I don't mean on this podcast. So there you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today. First of all, uh, as a zookeeper, because you know San Diego Zoo is just the mecca, I would say, of of zoos for zookeepers. You know, it's the pilgrimage. It's the promised land. So I'm very excited to hear what. <laughs> Uh, you know, for a representative from San Diego Zoo uh, has to talk about today. But also, I'm excited to talk about an animal that, you know, I'm personally obsessed with, but I don't think a lot of British people actually have any idea about, which is super interesting today. So hopefully we'll educate some people uh, across the pond and uh, about these fantastic animals. Today we're talking opossums. Um, I thought we should, first of all, address the elephant in the room which is discussing <laughs> the, the yeah quote unquote elephant in the room to discuss uh well the difference between possums and possums do you want to explain a little bit about that absolutely yeah it, it happens a lot so here in uh, north america especially in the u.s uh, we have a tendency well i think it's probably true with other languages as well we we like to abbreviate shorten nickname change oh, yeah. the actual word to suit our dialect perhaps a little easier so the North American opossum, true common name is Virginian opossum, mm -hmm. uh, because that's where they were really first sighted was in the Virginia territories of the U.S. Uh, way back in the day. <laughs> but as as a, as we tend to do, uh, the name then got shortened from Virginian opossum to opossum, and then eventually people just started calling opossums. Just love it. The the challenge with that though is there are other true species of mammals that are related to the opossum that are called possums, and they are found in South America, Central America, Australia, uh, New Guinea, all those areas where yes. you tend to see more marsupials. Yes. But the only true marsupial of North America is the species truly known as the Virginian opossum. Mm -hmm. And at first glance, some people look at them and it looks like 
a giant rat because they're <laughs> usually gray or white and black mottled hair. Yes. They've got the pink nose, the pink ears, and then the, the naked tail that looks like a giant rat tail. Yes. So visually, for anyone who's never seen in a true North American opossum, you can kind of conjure that up in your head or just go ahead and Google it because they are really cute, honestly. I think they really are. I, I absolutely love They are one of my favorite um, species of bait. Their babies are just one of my favorite oh, species. I know, right? of, it's, it's too much. I can't even look at it. I can't even look at photos of opossums <laughs> without getting a little bit emotional. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Obviously, there's the Virginia opossum of, of North America and then the, the, we know, the true sort of OG opossums, although I think they were discovered later then the uh, Virginia opossum, I think the Virginia opossum came first, I believe. Well, as far as scientific literature, perhaps, That's you it. Know, but yes. as far as when we talk about evolutionary, who knows, I would have to go back and look at the taxonomy to see, okay, which species technically has fossils found earlier That's versus it. when it diverged, you know, so there's that argument that. as well. Right, right. <laughs> not us today. We're not talking not today, about that. Not today. <laughs> So uh, that's great, Rick. So what I'll start by saying is, I mean, I'll ask the question that I ask every single guest on my podcast today, which is, what animal do you think of when you hear the word asshole? Not to offend your listeners, but usually humans. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, no, this is absolutely <laughs> right. And, you and, know, and here's where you got to understand answer. where I'm coming from. Oh, yeah. uh, I've been working with wildlife and, and animals in general for three decades now and mm -hmm. uh, 22 plus years at the San Diego Zoo. Majority of my career and my education is animal behavior, animal care and, and, and science of animals. So for me, I found over the years that if, if I come across an animal that it has this sort of asshole behavior, as you put it. If we take the time to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, we start yeah. to realize that we're just misinterpreting the behavior and taking it personal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah, yeah. Whereas with humans, they tend to be a little bit manipulative. So I'm going to go with humans for my actual answer on this. That is, that is a great answer. <laughs> um, I've discussed this with people before on, on this podcast that we... We apply animal behavior that we see, you know, but you know, through our own standards of, of asshole behavior, through our own lens of what we perceive to be dickhead behavior in our society, but is actually, you know, a great way for that animal to survive in cruel nature. So uh, it's a fun exploration of which animals maybe are a bit more dastardly than people uh, first would say, and then um, to actually sort of break down what we perceive to be animal behavior and uh, and see how it actually helps that animal survive. So. Humans is a great answer. It's a, uh, it's. I think that's fair to say. Uh, excellent. I mean, so what are your, uh, what are your credentials working with opossums specifically? Though, what is your experience? Yeah, I have been honestly working with them since before my career started. It's kind of a funny oh. story that that through our email exchange we landed on opossum. And I started mm. thinking about it when you you were saying, well, what's your what's your background with them? I started thinking about it. So I went to college at a place north of Los Angeles here in California mm -hmm. uh, that is called Moore Park College. Yeah, Moore Park College has a very specific program to train people to work with animals, to work with the public, to work mm -hmm. in the zoo environment, to understand behavior, what we refer to as elementary veterinarian science. So it's not the level of a veterinarian yes. or not even a vet tech for that matter, but you understand the basics so you can yeah. work alongside them That's with great. animals. Yeah, all this stuff. It's a very comprehensive program. They actually, they actually have a functioning zoo there as well, a small one, but they have one. And so as students, you get to learn how to care for them, what to do for observations, record keeping, all that stuff. The very first animal that I was assigned to work with was an opossum. Oh, I love that. So it's kind of funny. I, I you asked that question, oh. like, wow, actually, I've been working with the possum since before I was getting paid to work with animals. <laughs> that, That's amazing. You know, and that said, I will say, the first animal, though, I did fall in love with there at that, that facility was a turkey vulture. And if you would have told me a turkey vulture and an opossum would be your two first loves going into college, I would have said, you're crazy, because yes. I was all about big cats, you know, I'm yes, for tigers and The shiny and, things. Yes. Yeah, right, exactly. But then you end up getting to, again, it goes back to you get to know these animals. You're like, oh my gosh, these are so cool. So yeah, my very first uh, assigned animal to work with was a, a North American opossum which then forced me to learn a lot about them because we are we are required then to be able to give talks on them and educate sure. the public about them. Mm -hmm. And then throughout my career, I have worked with plenty of them. Uh, I've I've been very blessed. Uh, majority of my career at the San Diego Zoo was in what was with the original children's zoo now called Base Camp because it got a, a full remodel a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. and, and we have a lot of ambassador animals, including opossums. So I've worked with several. And here's the thing about opossums. They only live about three to four years. Yes, yes. So in a career as long as mine, you tend to work with quite a few of them yeah, because of they, they naturally don't live that long yeah. uh, in the wild or under human care. 
that's so sad that you know you get so attached to these amazing it's like rats as well <laughs> I love rats you know the fact that they are only around for about two maybe three years is the biggest travesty I think you know they are just such brilliant creatures and it's and it's uh it's a shame with opossums as well but that's that's amazing so I, I can't believe that you know from day one you know baby Rick starting at a, a <laughs> exactly park, right you know, yes yes this is the first and you lock eyes with the opossum and you're like ah oh, little does baby Rick know what uh what Rick is right? uh, going to get up to in the next couple of decades Exactly. So, 30 some years later, I'm talking to you about opossums. That's it. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Have you got any particularly memorable experiences uh, with opossums over the years? Oh, goodness, of course. You know, <laughs> anywhere from the adorableness of people not thinking they're going to be cute until they meet it up close and personal and they mm -hmm. see just how cute it is. As a lot of people will say to me, like, oh, I've seen them in, you know, running down the alley at my place or, you know, one snuck into our garage and scared the heck out of me. It's so ugly and scary. But then they see an ambassador one up close and like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize they're so cute. Because, of course, in the night, you're scared of it. That's you're it. not looking for cuteness. You're looking for, is it going to kill me? That's it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> so there's right. that. So there, there's that side of it. And then the other side, I'm going to, uh, this this part I, it might be a little graphic. Uh, one of the most memorable opossums I ever worked with at the San Diego Zoo had issues as it got older with the glands on its backside. Okay. And so for those who don't know, part of what, I don't know if you want to go into it now, but essentially opossums, North American opossums are well known for playing dead. Yes. There's a wide variety of things our body goes through. It's not actually playing dead. It's a response. It's a physical response That's to fear. It. But I'll skip all the the other stuff. We can talk about the majority of how and why that happens a little bit later. But sure. what this memorable moment was, is part of that process is there's a gland near their butt that releases an odor that smells like a dead decaying carcass. Oh, wonderful. When, wonderful. when they get this fear response to help make the predator think that this is not something you want to eat. Well, th this lovely lady, she had problems with those glands backing up and getting clogged. So I had to help her express them. And I can tell you, uh, it is probably one of the most harsh smells I have ever had to purposely put myself in front of yeah. at least once, sometimes twice a week to help her express those. And she was great. You know, I would wrap her in the towel and she just hold still for me. But yeah, for me, I'm the one that had to smell it. Is that, <laughs> it was... is that, oh my gosh. Cause I feel like zookeepers in general have their, their, the top five, let's say memories that are burned into their head of the most disgusting job they've ever had to do. And, you know, this is, I think you, if you ask any zookeeper, what's the most disgusting thing, they have a memory seared into the back of their mind. Would you say that's top five? Of, of the one oh, of the easily top three. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd even bump up top three. I mean, I will say there's some stuff I probably have blocked out that it's been so nasty, but um, <laughs> so I'm going to give it top, I'm going to give it top three just because I'm sure my brain will not allow me to recall some of the other stuff, <laughs> but it might be, it might be the number one. I don't know. But yeah, it was, it was pretty nasty. So we'll talk about a little bit about the the asshole behavior thing. Why do you think Americans particularly, because obviously we don't have this problem in the UK. Um, why do you think Americans think of opossums as assholes? Well, to set this up as to why it happens, you have to understand opossums are opportunistic and omnivores. Yes. So they are not going to necessarily actively hunt something. But if they're down at the pond drinking water and a frog jumps in front of them, they'll eat it. Mm -hmm. But they're most likely going to follow their incredibly good sense of smell to find things that are easier to get a hold of. And of what do we have as humans? A lot of trash. So they're going to follow their nose. They're going to be persistent. They can mm. climb very well, much better than you think. Yeah. And so the getting up into a trash can is quite easy. They can knock trash cans over. Uh, they can, you know, you open up the trash can, throw something away. And also there's a little possum screaming at you. <laughs> so <laughs> I think in general, because they're a creature of the night, they are, they are mostly nocturnal here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they startle people, whether they sneak into the garage looking for food or they're in the trash or in the garden, in the backyard. Uh, so I think they get this rap of, or this this, this nickname of, of being that, that a-hole that everyone thinks they are because of their natural behaviors. But the reality is, and that's why I love that you, you asked me about this on the show, because I thought, you know, in my heart, I, I don't think any animal's truly a, an a-hole, but I think for the general public, there's a perception yes, of, of either it. an animal's really, really cute and adorable and I want it as a pet. And a zookeeper, we're like, uh, no, you don't. That yes, will mess you it. up unless you know what you're doing. That's it. Or the opposite here for the opossum where people mm -hmm. are like, I hate them. I can't stand them. They're a pest. When really I look at it go, no, they're, they're an asset to our world. They're the Absolutely. cleanup crew. If you're a gardener, they're they're eating your snails and slugs and other insects that are going to be damaging to your garden. That's it. Yes, they will also grab some fruits and vegetables if you happen to have some available. But in general, they're going to be keeping pests out. You know, here in the U.S., a lot of people are terrified of rattlesnakes and snakes yes. in general. Opossums will eat them. Yes. Opossums can be bit by a rattlesnake and not be affected by the venom and in turn eat the rattlesnake. 
Yeah. So you start to look at these things like, okay, well, maybe this is actually a really beneficial animal to have around. But I think the direct interaction people tend to have with them, it creates this moment of fear in that person and, and then they don't like them. The other thing worth worth mentioning too, people are don't like them around if they have their their pets in the backyard or something. Sure. Opossums' body temperatures are too low for rabies to truly take hold. So even if they're yeah. bit by another rabid animal, the virus can't take hold in their system because their body temperature is too low for it to exist. That's it. So they can't spread rabies. And here's the other thing: if you have pets, you have problems with fleas and ticks. Opossums are so low to the ground and fuzzy enough, they're picking up ticks as they go. And in turn, they reach around then and eat the tick. So they are sort of a little street sweeper of ticks. They they don't actually suck them up per se, but if they catch any on their body, they'll eat them. So they're they're also kind of tick control too. So I want to to maybe interject here. I'm going to play devil's advocate, which I rarely do on this podcast because I usually like 100% agree with all of the hosts that come on and and say the same thing because usually we're we're fairly like-minded. But um, I actually, I did read a study fairly recently that came out, it, uh, it came out in 2021. Um, there's the the whole thing that, you know, possums do eat ticks. And that's a, you know, um, a big sort of campaign for like, yes, we love possums, they eat ticks. I read this paper not too long ago in doing research for this episode that studied the, the stomach contents of about 20 to 30 opossums that were found in Illinois. And they found like no tick remains in in mm. any of them and i was like interesting this is interesting because i have always presumed you know the common word is that possums eat ticks and that you know is a just one of the many reasons why we should love them but this this paper seems to be like at least about in illinois like well so- and so it, it does bring the question and and that, and that happens a lot that's why i love yeah. working with animals right? is someone makes an observation sees one thing it becomes than what we believe about the species. And then someone does another study and it's like, well, maybe that's not true. And then, you know, and so there's a lot of variables in our knowledge about animal behavior and the biology of them. And it's always evolving and changing. And that's what I love about our work is that I feel I've been doing this for so long, but I still get to learn every time I go to research some facts about an animal. When I hear studies like that too, I'm always curious, like, okay, 20 to 30 individuals was it a certain time of year That's was it. it across the entire year because what is the tick thing seasonal you know and it, so it just makes me curious too because oh, yeah, totally. especially in illinois you have your winter season you wouldn't have active ticks but the opossum would still be out scrounging for food so you know i, I just wonder and also am fascinated by okay i wish i hope someone does a follow-up study on a species That's maybe it. or a group of a population if you will further south that doesn't have a, a harshest winter That's and see it. what we have there yeah you yeah, know so but I mean, yeah i love it i love it yeah i you know, hope that there's a follow-up study. I hope there's different ones around the the US and, and you know, yeah, different times of year. And I hope that there's a, a more of a platform to build on that study because you're, you're yeah, totally absolutely. right. It, with such a small sample size and in such a selected area, it's difficult It's difficult to make an assumption about is, you know, is this actual animal behavior that they're actually not eating ticks when you've just got such a tiny sample size. Right, right. So, but, you know, I did read this and I was like, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna bring this up to Rick. Like, does he know about this? Like, <laughs> I, I'm learning about this like literally recently. Right. So yeah, fingers crossed that yeah, as you completely rightly said, you know, the animal world changes constantly and research changes constantly. I mean, I think one of the biggest sort of misconceptions about animal behavior was that whole alpha wolf thing. Oh, so, yeah. You know, well, that- yeah, you know, sure. And then humans like to idolize certain species in yeah. certain light, you know, and, and it's uh it, it's uh that's that's a whole nother episode right there yeah, for you it. on on the myth myths and mythologies that the humans have applied to animal <laughs> behavior that you when you really observe them it's like yeah that's not true. <laughs> oh, so fascinating though so fascinating. I love myth I love animals I, maybe that's my next podcast honestly so cool but yes I mean you know one paper comes out and says this and it's the common belief with animals and then you know years later it's like actually that's not quite the case right but, right you know fingers crossed we're rooting for the possums we want them to eat the ticks ticks you know <laughs> nobody wants ticks you know well honestly even if they don't they're they're still a great animal exactly. to have around and and i love the fact i think this 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 conversation here really brings up that the i think all of us will benefit from maintaining our level of curiosity even about things we think are true yes that's because exactly it. Because it allows us to be open-minded to, oh, that one study was true for that, but not for this. And so yeah. wherever wherever the information came from that they do eat ticks, maybe we are learning now they don't. And that's great because now we can better speak to uh, the species and what they do and how it all works and everything else. I, I just, I love the fact that the there's challenges to the norm that Definitely. come up that make us go, huh, that's worth looking into more. 
as the second that you stop challenging yourself to read these papers, I think is a time that you have, you know, you aren't, you aren't truly benefiting from the experience of working with animals and knowing that this is an industry that changes as we find out more and more. It's one of the, I think one of the best things about working in this industry. Yeah, agree, we, agree. we have, we have digressed. I'm, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pivot a little bit and ask you um, personally, Rick, what is your favorite thing about opossums? Oh my goodness. Um, they seem rather tenacious but in a subtle way hmm. there's like a subtle there's like a there's a quiet strength within the opossum oh. I believe I remember uh I was living in an apartment not too far from the zoo a few years ago and we had a female opossum that lived in the area and she would cut through my back area and at one spring she, she started showing that she had babies and then they get big enough they ride on the back she yes. had easily 12 to 13 babies oh, God, and as God. they grew she was covered like yeah. they, they would they would all jockey for a position on her but oh an opossum if you don't know is not much bigger like a full-grown female here in southern california is about the size of a small shoebox. right yes so now she has uh, 12 to 13 babies that are the size of rats on her <laughs> she's covered even they're hanging off her face oh. she could not see where she was going but she followed her nose and she just trucked along. You could you could tell as these kids got bigger. The last few times I saw her before she didn't have them anymore, which means she kicked them out. Yeah. Uh, they they were just weighing her down. And I looked at her each evening as she'd go by and I was like, I want to help you, but I, I don't know how I could help yeah. you. And and you go, mom. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Just like, so yes. much respect. And and on the other side of it, too, then when they face danger and we talked about I can go into here if you want about what we refer to as playing possum. Yeah, it's they'll do the first they'll they'll show their teeth and maybe even hiss and yes. show how scary they really are. But they aren't scared. They're just trying to scare you. Mm -hmm. And they have over 50 teeth inside their mouth. Most of any land mammal in North America. Yeah. This species developed a uh, response, uh, involuntary response, to when it's being attacked. It has uh, been referred to sometimes by, as an involuntary coma. So they will pass out. Their yes. heart rate slows down. Their breathing slows down. Their lips curl up. They get rigid. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a gland on the backside that releases this odor that smells very much like a dead, decaying carcass. Yeah. And this happens, they'll stay in this for about three to four hours. Yeah. It, that's how long it's it can crazy. last. It's so yeah, long. It really is. And it, and then they they all of a sudden just kind of come out of it and keep going. Yeah. And that's what I admire about them is that they, they just life happens and they just keep going. There's, there's no, you know, they're, they're, they're facing all these things in the world, <laughs> whether it's humans or bears or coyotes or whatever, and they're just going to do their thing and then wake up and keep going. There's there's something to be learned. There's something we could learn from uh from possums then is to just kind of right. keep trucking, you know. <laughs> yeah, do just thing, do your thing. Stay in your lane, flourish. I absolutely love it. Oh, Rick, this is a great place to stop, I think, because after we come back from the break, I'm gonna ask you to rate them. Well, help me rate them on a scale of one to five of how much of an asshole they can be. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. We'll be right back. We are back now with the dashing Rick Schwartz, who is going to be talking to me about opossums today. We are going to be doing something called the asshole rating segment, which I promise Rick is a lot nicer than it sounds. On a scale of <laughs> one enough. to five, yeah, on a scale of one to five, we're going to rate how much uh, opossums are assholes to humans, to each other, and to other species in the animal kingdom. So we'll start with humans. And I feel like this is going to be pretty low, right? We're going to, we're going to go, are we going to go with zero on this one? So I would say from the human average human perspective, they probably put them at a four oh, because yeah. like we discussed earlier, they tend to startle them, scare them, oh. they see them in the yard in the trash there or in the garage, you know, and that, that upsets them. That upsets mm -hmm. the humans. So I think the average human would put them at a high level. Sure. I personally put them very low in the oh, sense yeah. that I appreciate all they do for us. And again, going back to their, their sort of the cleanup crew, the scavengers, mm -hmm. they, they keep other pests away. So I'm going to put them at a very low one. Yeah, let's do it. I, I suspected that would be your answer. And, you know, it's very, uh, it's interesting to see you because you're the first guest that I've had that's been like, the public might think this. And, you know, we, at the same time, we don't care what they think. You know, I want I want to know what you think today. You know, so I'm I'm glad that you you uh, were well. Like, I'll just I I'll preface the rest of these answers with this: having worked with the possums as long as I have, and, mm -hmm. and for many years, 
you, and I'm an educator. I'm, I'm in the public all the time. So I hear what the public says about the animals yeah. I care for. I'm like, I know, and I will say this, I was very offended early in my career. Like, how dare you talk about my friend that way? But then you start <laughs> to realize, friend. okay, right. Well, they, they have a particular perception about what their moment of encounter has been with the species yeah. or what someone in their family told them their moment was. Yeah, so yeah. I'm very sensitive to what the general public might perceive versus my experience. Because I think being so deep into the animal world, my experience is definitely unique compared to the general public. Definitely. I think that's a, a great perspective to have, as I said, uh, with, you know, you being the first guest to compare what, yeah. uh, what two different opinions <laughs> are. Enough. So, so well Fair done. Enough. I don't know if there's a badge that I can give you for that, uh, of considering <laughs> the public opinion when before you make your answer, but, you know, if uh, I, I, I'll give it to you. Fair so that's enough. amazing. Oh, so we've got a one for uh, how much of an asshole they are to, to humans. On a scale of one to five, how much would you say they're an asshole to each other? I would, I would go with maybe a, a two or three in the sense that they do try to avoid each other. Solitary by nature. Yes. They get together for breeding only. And then mom raises the kids and kicks them to the curb when they're too big. <laughs> so if they should come across each other, I would imagine they would probably either spar or just go opposite directions. Oh, but yeah. in general, I think if we're looking at from like how, you know, in a social circle, if we were observing them, they would avoid each other. So I would say it's yeah. kind of a two to three there on the a-hole rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to see. I, I haven't seen any footage or certainly heard of it, you know, of them fighting. But then again, they're nocturnal, right? You know, sometimes we would just wouldn't see a lot of the interactions that occur. Right. But um, actually, this is a good point. I, I don't really know the answer to this. Do they have sort of territories that they, that they mark or they just sort of you know, plod along doing their thing. So they just encounter them by chance, I suppose, right? Yeah, everything, a lot of their interactions is done by sense of smell from what I have read sure. uh, in the sense that they do have territories, but they're not they're not hard borders. Like you would see a pride of lions would patrol yes. their borders sure. and push hyenas and other lions out uh, and maybe would spar through urine scenting and everything else to see if they can move that border. Yeah. My understanding of opossums, it's a very loose territory. They tend to stay in one region, one space, and a lot of it is dictated by food availability, which sure. scarcer the food, the, the further they roam. And then when it comes to the breeding season, the pheromones and hormones that the females give off, the males can sense that through smell. And so they'll come into the territory. Again, hormones do fun things to mammals. So the females yeah. don't mind the males being around at that time. Yeah, yeah. And then once they breed, they're like, okay, see you next time. And that's it. So it's not a hard, fast, set territory from what sure. I understand. Gotcha. And um, I mean, how long uh, is it before they kick the babies out? Uh, do you know roughly what? how many months is it? Because I know they're I on believe, there for a while. I, I, wanna, I would have to double check to confirm this, but I believe yeah. it's within the first four to five months. Yeah, oh, they grow very quickly. You know, the babies, when they're born, they're they're the size of Rice Krispies or yes. a, a, a crisp rice, whatever you want to call it. It's a small... <laughs> little puffed rice size essentially yeah uh, they'll latch onto the nipple inside the the uh inside the pouch like any other marsupial they'll spend uh the first i think month and a half two months in there mm -hmm. and then about uh that time they come out to start riding on mom's back and i believe it's like four to five months she's like okay you're getting too big Interesting. Uh, I, I i would be surprised if it's any longer than six months because they start to head out and start breeding on their own shortly thereafter and again their life cycle is right around three years i mean that's a good point yeah exactly if they live so such a short time so we're going did you want to go for a two or a three for how much of an asshole they are to to uh, each other uh 2.5 let's go to 2.5 put it right in the middle put okay. it right in the middle okay i love it excellent okay so we've got a 2.5 for that and then on a scale of one to five how much of an asshole would you say they are to other animals in the animal kingdom so uh, again this one it's i i don't think it's a purposeful like i'm going to be mean to this coyote yes right? i'm going to show him what dead food tastes like right <laughs> uh, so i there's no purposeful a-hole behavior towards other animals they would mm -hmm. rather avoid others period yeah but if i'm a hungry coyote and i'm like "Ooh, there's a fuzzy dude walking over there i can fit in my mouth and i go over there and all of a sudden it smells like some sort of rotting carcass nastiness and i'm yeah. gonna throw up about it <laughs> that's kind of an a-hole move right i mean it's like i thought i was getting lunch and now i yeah, got garbage it. oh man so <laughs> you know it depends on the perspective where are you coming uh, from uh, so i think in general there's no purposeful a-hole behavior but i would i would go three or four on this one i guess we'll, we'll go with a, a, an honest three i think on I this think one so. yeah i think that's you know, a good because point. it's it's it's, they're defending themselves, but again, you know, the coyote's not going to be too happy about this. So. Yeah, I, I love that. So we've got a, a one, we've got a 2.5, and we've got a, a three. So I'm going to do some three. quick calculations there. Beep, 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 beep. All right. <laughs> we've got a 6.5. One of these days, I'm going to edit some actual sound footage of, like, <laughs> in there, but right now people are just dealing with my, my stupid uh, sound effects by my mouth. 
Um, so we've got a 6.5 out of 15, which I think is a fair score. Would you say that's a fair score for a possible? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, I guess, just because I love him so much, I kind of flinched a little bit at 6.5. It sounds a little high, Aww. but it's it's not, it's, you know, it, it, we got to be honest. We got to be honest with how this goes. So I'll, yeah, we'll stick with that. They're, they're not really jerks, you know, however they are perceived by the American public. Wrongly so. They are little angels and we, we should be lucky <laughs> to have them in our gardens. So Excellent. This is a great place to to stop for our next segment. So after we come back from the break, Rick, we're going to do, I think, my favorite segment of the podcast, which is the true or false round. I'm going to be throwing possum adjacent questions at you that are curated. You know, maybe some of it's about possum knowledge. Maybe some of it isn't. You're just going to have to wait and find out. Are you ready? All right. Fair enough. Let's go. Excellent. Stay with us, guys. We'll be right back. Excellent. We are back now with the fabulous Rick Schwartz, who is going to be answering some of my general knowledge questions that I've put together to to trap him, to trick him, to deceive him today, (laughs) to be a bit of a jerk myself. So are you ready, Rick? Uh, I'm now I was, but I'm not sure now after you said that. I'm kind of nervous. (laughs) You'll be fine. All right, let's go. Question number one. According to Aztec legend, possums are responsible for bringing fire to humanity. Is that true or false? I'm going to go with false. I don't know a lot about Aztec legend, but given that the Virginia, Virginia opossum didn't really start spreading across North America until after the the, uh, the Europeans showed up, I'm going to go with false on that one. So this is true. Uh-oh. Ah! This, is, this is true. I mean, I, I love the nod to the history in terms of, you know, when, when the opossum came to America, uh, the Virginia opossum. So according to the Mazatec legend, fire apparently fell like a star to the earth. And apparently in this legend, an old woman stole it for herself. And the the humble, brave opossum stole it from the old lady and carried it in its tail, which is why its tail is hairless, because it was burned from all the fire ah, and, uh, and stole it to give it to humans. So that is the, the story why we have fire and also why the opossum's tail has no hair. Which is, I think, it just... makes complete sense. Oh yeah, I know. Sense. Right there is now. No, I see it now. There I see is no it. way that this is not true, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think it's. I so love funny. it. I, I love animals in myths. That's like two of my favorite things on this planet combined, and using myth to explain animal behavior and. But it's honestly something right. that I'm so fascinated in. Um, I actually am a classics graduate, so Greek and Roman mythology is what I studied growing up. But so unfortunately, that one is true. Okay, question number two. Opossums have a higher EQ than a raccoon. Now, EQ, I'll explain. So uh, EQ stands for encephalization quotient. It's how it's explained is the, the, the measure of their brain size of that animal compared to animals of a similar size. So do, do opossums have um, a similar size brain to raccoons? And it's usually a, a way to measure intelligence. For that species we have large brains as humans in, in relative to our size so my question is do opossums have a higher eq have they got a larger brain than a raccoon i'm going to go just knowing i'm working with both species that raccoons express more intelligence than an opossum but also having worked with both looking at skull size off the top of my head just kind of thinking about it when we're talking about actual physical size of the brain it's entirely possible that the Ooh. opossum has a larger physical brain. So I, is there an I don't know option? Uh, no, it's absolutely not. It's a 50-50. Okay. All right. So state the question again, and I'll just jump at whatever one comes out. So it's it's does the opossum yes. have a, a higher EQ than the raccoon? Yes. Oh. Listen to your I'm going to have to go with true. But, oh, Rick. Oh, Rick. Okay, so I should have gone with behavior, not not anatomical school size. All right, fair enough. So yeah, but you know, I love that you sounded this out like a scientist. You know, <laughs> the you know whether or not you reached the wrong wrong or right conclusion, you you had great like workings out. So possum brains are about the fifth of the size of raccoons. Oh, so, wow, there you go. Yeah, which is um which a is absolutely crazy in, in terms of um how well they've managed to survive. I think because you think that. 
I mean, it's not intelligence doesn't necessarily equate to how well you're going to survive, but it it does a lot of the time. Right. For some an animal that's doing as well as it is it is in America, it's not a critically endangered species. They have a fifth of the size of the brain of raccoons. But um, I you know, humans, as I said, are the most encephalized species. Our brains are, I think, six times larger than what it should be for our for mm-hmm. our size on average. So I mean, big brains can a lot of the time equal more intelligence, not always, but it's a good indicator of, of intelligence. So yes, there we go. They do not have a higher EQ than raccoons. Raccoons are a bit smarter, right? I, I feel like they have more of a personality. I think Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like I was saying, having worked with both of them, I would, if yeah. you were to just say, which one do you think is, is more intelligent? I would say the raccoon. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. know, but I, I was, I was going down the road of like, okay, well, looking at them, having worked with them. You know, and then and given the way you're asking it, maybe it's a trick question that just because their brain is bigger, it's not necessarily smarter. But if you're uh, just to say, hey, Rick, having worked with both those, who's a smarter one? I would absolutely raccoons. Yeah, they're oh, yeah, ridiculously yeah. intelligent and and so tenacious that continuously trying something new each time something doesn't work, yeah. which I'm assuming is a sign of intelligence. But I mean, I've seen raccoons work on something for quite a while. And then once they learn, it takes them only seconds and to go, okay, this is how this works. Yes. And, and then from there on out, it only takes a couple of seconds to figure it out each time. That's right. I think, I mean, raccoons are just, I mean, we can do a whole other episode on raccoons and <laughs> right, how, you seriously. know, they're, they're sort of, our, you know, quote unquote, arsehole behavior versus how amazing they actually are. Yeah, you're completely right. I, I think they're incredibly intelligent animals. Okay, question number three, Rick. There are more types of stars in the universe than there are types of a possum. Oh, absolutely true. I would go with stars, yeah. More types of stars. Oh, types of stars. Oh, so there's probably like four types, but there's a billion of them, huh? And there's a lot of different opossum species. So having never really studied stars, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. I'm jumping in. I think there's more different species of opossums than there are different types of stars. You were right. Excellent. All right. Well yeah, I got one. Ding, ding, ding. I'm going to put in a <laughs> little ding. A uh, little sound clip there. Yeah, exactly right. So I've read various things between 80 and over 100 different types of uh, opossum. Um, right. And well, that goes back to then how the animal world's always changing. Yeah. I mean, we first started doing taxonomy and who's related to who and how, how is this a different species or not by bone structure, dentition, yeah. things of that nature. And now with DNA, it's changing the whole game about, oh, these... These two are actually a subspecies of each other yeah. versus two different species versus another one's like, oh, no, these are actually two separate species, not subspecies. So, yeah, yeah it's constantly changing because of science and the ability to really look at things on the building blocks. So, it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating. We're saying between 80 and over 100 um, different types of opossum. Uh, and actually, there are seven types of star. So, yeah, you were oh, you were yeah. close. You were like, oh, yeah, there's like four. And I was like, yeah, you're pretty close. Dang, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, yeah, well, yeah, you nailed it. So, um, yeah, there are seven types of star. They're labeled by letters. So the letters are O, B, A, F, G, K, and M. So O stars are the sort of hottest and biggest classification. And an M class is the smallest and coolest there's loads of different types of stars within that you know things like protostar we've got you know red dwarfs white dwarfs red giants uh main sequence stars which are is what our sun is there's the t tauri star yeah there's there's a bunch of different sort of you know stars within stars within stars but they're all they're all categorized by by seven letters so yes there are there are more types of possum than there are types of star okay cool question number four A small town in Mississippi celebrates Possum Day every year. Is that true or is that false? I'm going to go with true because that's something humans love to do. They they have a day for everything, it seems. So I'm going to go with true for that one. I applaud your enthusiasm. And it's only because I I am a giant asshole myself that I have made this false because it's, it's not a town in Mississippi. Oh, well, there you go. I, there yeah, you go. I am that. Bitch, but there is a right? town that does this, I'm sure. There is. It is a town in Florida. It's called Wassa that celebrates Possum Day every year. It's the first Saturday of August. It's actually, I read about this and it was so charming. And it's the sort of like small town charm that I love in the States where they're celebrating possums, actually saving them from starvation uh, during the Great Depression. As oh, wow. Because they were the only available source of protein around yeah, at that time, sense. you know, makes which, sense. you know, it's sad to think that people were eating possums, but they do what they do in, uh, you know, in order to survive. It's And um, so, yeah, during the Great Depression, possums were the only available source of protein at that time. They ate the possums to survive. And so now they honor the possum every year with um, with a little possum celebration. Well, it's nice they come back and, and honor them for, for helping them stay alive. So That's it. Good, they have good a little, for them. 
Good what I them. love about this as well, they have a statue of an opossum and they crown a possum king and queen every year. And I just <laughs> That's awesome. That love is it. sort of yeah, exactly. That is the sort of small town amazingness that I'm here for in America. So yeah. So unfortunately, because I'm being a dick, the the uh, it's it's false because it's That's not all right. a small I'll take town it. I'll take it. You you had the enthusiasm and that was completely right. There is a town that does that, but it's uh, it's actually in Florida. Wonderful. Okay, my last question, Rick. Here we go. I haven't been keeping track of how you well you've been doing, but um, I know I'm just having fun. I don't know either. So. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll let no... the listeners keep track. That's it. Exactly right. Okay. Question number five: A possum is a popular dish in the Caribbean. Is that true or false? I would go with true because I have heard a lot of people talk about how they have eaten opossum before. Whenever I'm presenting with one of my friends that is an opossum, and so and they don't mean it offensively. Yeah. I try not to take it offensively, yeah. but it's like, look, if you showed up holding you know, holding a, a friend and, and said, hey, I've eaten that before. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's just kind of weird. But, they, you know, yeah, it's it's not uncommon that a lot of the animals we work with here that are North American species, people in certain communities have also eaten and or continue to do so. Yes, yes. So I would say the are, answer is true. You are absolutely right. Yep. It is a, um, I wouldn't say like a super popular, like, you know, the, they're known for it in the Caribbean, but it's definitely a dish in the Caribbean, more specifically in Trinidad and Dominica. So the opossum is called the manacou. And um, apparently the meat is something that you are supposed to smoke rather than stew. You know, there's lots of curries mm-hmm. and things in in, uh, in the Caribbean. Right. So you're supposed to smoke the meat. The instructions are that you have to remove the musk glands before you do that. Like, oh, I would hope so. Dear yeah, Lord, exactly. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. So which that'd be I the think, wrath of the opossum in your meal, right there. Exactly. Reading that was sort of traumatizing. I was like, that makes complete sense. But like, how you know, doing that before you eat, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely gross. Uh, but yes, you are absolutely right in that word. So yes, they they do eat uh, a possum in the Caribbean. I, I don't know if I could bring myself to eat a, a, a possum dish knowing, you know, looking into the eyes of a little baby possum that used right. to hand rear in Costa Rica. But there you go. That, that's what it is. Amazing, Rick. You smashed that. You put up with my nonsense for the entire time <laughs> of that. So so well done for, for making it through. And um, hopefully there was uh, some interesting stuff in there that um, we can. Yeah, no, I loved it. I got to learn some things, too. Amazing. Excellent. So this is actually a great place to stop. Our next segment is our shout out and PSA section. So when we come back from the break, Rick is going to be talking to us about possums and what he wants us to know about possums. So stay with us, guys. We'll be right back. Our charity of the week this week is going to be a bit different this time. This week, I'd like to give a big shout out to possum rehabilitators all across the Americas, as well as tell you about an amazing resource if you'd like to be more possum savvy. I know firsthand that taking care of opossums isn't easy. They need the right diet when they're young so that they don't suffer from metabolic bone disease. They're nocturnal and excellent climbers, so need to be kept in a secure environment overnight. Thankfully, there are thousands of kind and generous people all across the Americas that are doing amazing work to protect these incredible animals and return them back to the wild. We've learned today that opossums aren't aggressive, they aren't a pest, and they shouldn't be persecuted for trying to find some food. If you have a possum problem in your yard, there's a handy guide of what to do if you visit the website of the Opossum Society of the United States. Not only will they be able to tell you what to do if you want to safely remove an opossum from your yard, they'll also tell you what to do if you'd like your garden to be visited by opossums. The Opossum Society of the United States is an excellent resource if you want to know what to do when you encounter an opossum. They even provide links to a list of wildlife rehabilitators by area so that if you need help, you've got the support that you need. They have educational booklets online and even some fun puzzles for kids to get the younger generation excited about nature too. Their website is truly worth a look. If you've loved what you've learned about possums today, want to learn more about them and even want to make a donation to help this fantastic educational resource, then visit their website, which, although basic, provides excellent and comprehensive details about opossums and their care. You can find it at www.opossumsocietyus.org. That's www.opossumsocietyus.org. If you live in the United States, take care of these adorable little critters 
and learn how we can live alongside them peacefully. Thank you. Excellent. We are back now with the brilliant Rick Schwartz, who's going to be talking to us about some issues that he thinks that we should know about opossums today. What do you think, Rick? What do you want people to know about opossums and take away from this podcast? Well, I think the number one thing is obviously for those who live in the areas where opossums can be found is that should you ever come across one, just give it its space. Yeah, now it's it's quite easy to feel like you have to get out of your yard or out of your area. Uh, if, it's in, if it's stuck in your trash can, tip your trash can over, let it get out, come back in the morning and put your trash can right side up. Yeah. If it's in your yard, leave it be. Uh, if you're out for a walk in the evening or out for a hike and you come across one, just give it plenty of room, get around it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do anything to you and it's yeah. not, it's not going to do anything for you to antagonize or, or mess with it. Now I will say this, if then this happened to me, one found its way into my garage and I checked the perimeter of my garage. There's no way for it to get in. So it must've gotten in while the garage door was open and, and for whatever reason, for an extended period of time. Yeah. But it found a way to hide really well. And although I knew it was in there because I could see where it was peeing, I could smell it's, oh. it's, it's relieving itself. I knew it was in there and we could hear it every now and then. So the only way to really get out was to have a heart trap, which basically uh, it's a large metal open sort of, I hate to say trap, but it's not a trap that's going to hurt the animal. It's just yes. simply you bait it with some food. They walk in, the door closes behind yes. it, allowing crazy. me to take it out to the yard and then open it up and let it go. Yeah, uh, And that's really the thing to do. It's it's not to freak out. If you don't have the ability to have, get a, what we call a have a heart trap, which is a, a life catch type trap, call mm-hmm. somebody who could do it for you. Yeah. There's no reason to exterminate them or try and hurt them. They're yeah. they're not there to hurt you. Yeah, uh, and, and that being sort of the overarching theme for the opossum, that applies to almost all wildlife you come across, whether it comes into your property, into your home, into your garage, or you're out and about. The smartest and best thing you can do is stop, yeah, survey to make sure there's no other wildlife around you might scare, disturb, or possibly get challenged by, and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> leave it alone. Leave it alone. It will move on. It yeah. will do its own thing. It, it'll be fine. And that's one of the things I think that, that goes across for, for the opossum, but it's a, it's sort of a standard that holds true, whether we're talking about raccoons or badgers or anything else that you might come across. Uh, the smartest thing to do is just give it its space. I think you said it earlier, uh, it's it's one of those things where we, we have to recognize that we have built into their territory, we've built into their ecosystem, and then we're asking them not to bother us. So if we can find a way to just let them be, they're actually doing us a service by keeping the ecosystem balanced by all the work that they do for us by keeping things clean. I love that. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, we've seen we've seen countless videos online, haven't we, where people just hassle the wildlife they you know you go they're going hiking and they're like oh I can see this thing let me get closer let me get and you know in a world of social media and in a world of viral videos in a world of you know fame and clout and whatever it is someone discovers something unique or a, a strange situation the first thing a lot of people do is phone out but just leave the dang animals alone. Like, you yep, know, just yeah. it, I know, fight the instinct, fight the urge. Make sure you're in a good place where you're not in the middle, as you rightly said, of two animals that are maybe right. looking to scrap and just leave it alone. Guys, leave it alone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just appreciate it from afar oh, yeah. and leave them alone. Yeah. It's a cool story. And, you know, who cares if no one believes you because you didn't take a photo <laughs> right and the photo or video probably wouldn't come out very well anyway so just enjoy it with your eyes stay safe leave them be exactly be present in the moment i think is another sort of good message as well like you've seen that wonderful that's great don't hassle it anything like that or if you're worried about it you know call an expert right call um yeah exactly yeah most areas there's somebody that is available to to whether it's an expert at your local uh, wildlife sanctuary or animal controls we call it here in the u.s sometimes there if there if you really truly do feel there's a pest or challenge or problem to your family then yes call an expert to come in and, and assess the situation maybe help but taking it into your own hands usually ends up in someone other than the animal getting hurt. So there's yes. no reason to do that. Yeah, exactly right. It's um, it's something that I think we we get a lot of in England. I'm sure it's the case um, in America too with, with the amazing selection of wildlife that you have. Uh, we get a lot, and I, I started actually my um, animal career in wildlife rehab and things like um, people bringing baby birds 
that right. they'd found. They're like, it's, you know, oh my God, it's on the floor. And it's like, okay, yes, that's a fledgling. And that's kind of what they do. And, you know, you've just yep. taken it out now. And sometimes we are in our um, altruism, wanting to do good for the planet. We, you know, inadvertently do things that harm the, right, the animal right. or, you yep. know, anything like that. So it's like the good intentions are there. But really, the best thing is to speak to an expert, is to even like look it up online if you're not sure and, and call somebody for acting, which is it, it's it's lovely that people want to help as well. But absolutely. Yes. Sometimes we don't know everything. And sometimes the the rehabilitators will be like, oh, yeah, no, it's just it's just leave it alone or yeah, oh, just yeah, put it outside. It'll be fine. <laughs> that's it. Yes. Yeah. So it's just it's just no, it's I mean, it's all about public information and education, isn't it? Which is what right. you know San Diego Zoo does. It's what you do as an educator. It's an important thing to get out, isn't it? To just um... yeah, it really is, and I love and I love that you're doing this podcast. You know, you, I love your angle. It's it's got a great hook to it to get people oh. interested, excited. But it's an opportunity to, to also educate, like we've been doing here, and that's one thing I love too. We just recently started our own podcast at the San Diego Zoo yes. called Amazing Wildlife. Yes. Uh, we're in season two right now, having a lot of fun with it, and I love the fact that zoos and educators are always looking for the next way to engage an audience. So I yeah. thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you for oh. asking me on it. And I oh. appreciate it because it's another opportunity for us to reach people where they are. And, and that's what we do. That's what we're trying to do is to, to help wildlife because helping wildlife helps people. And the only way to help people sometimes is to talk to them through mediums like podcasting. Uh, where they can get the best information. So thank you for doing this. Oh my gosh. You know, I am like nearly welling up. Well, that's so oh. sweet. That's so nice. Um, and, you know, helping wildlife helps people is such a great tagline, I think. You know, I think that's, that's Oh, it's something... true though. It's yeah, true, totally. yeah. Totally. I think that should, that should be on a shirt. That should be, <laughs> you know, what Zeus should be shouting. Helping wildlife helps people. That's such an important message to take away. So that yeah. I think that's a great, great um, little nugget to to take away from from the podcast today. So I mean, thank you. You're such a legendary educator. You know, who, uh, <laughs> you are clearly reaching a lot of people with your message. And yes, I've checked out Amazing Wildlife, and it's incredible. So and you're so fun, and you've got such a fun energy about you. And and I encourage everybody to check it out. So um, oh, appreciate uh, it. Appreciate it. No, you're you're amazing, Rick. And you know, thank you so much for coming on today. This is a, a great time to sign off, though, because I'm conscious of your time today. I've taken up so much of your time talking about all sorts of things, about stars, about, you know, <laughs> possum recipes in the Caribbean, all of this stuff. <laughs> uh, this has been another episode of Asshole Animals with Alice. I want to say a big, big thank you to Rick Schwartz for coming on today and talking possums with me. And I also want to say a big thank you to the audience for listening today. We hope you learned at least one thing about opossums. What one thing do you think you want people to learn about opossums today, Rick? They are a valuable contributor to society. Yes, yes, they are. And I, <laughs> and they, and I, I can't say enough, they, they can't carry rabies. Some people figure out, oh, it's going to hurt my pet. It's not going to hurt your pet. Just bring your pet indoors while that's out there. Uh, that's they're, they're so valuable to the ecosystem and the society. So yeah, that's, and not, that's the they're, message. They're not aggressive as well, right? They, they will not like actively go for your pet. They will. Honestly, if you corner one, they're going to hiss and show their teeth and make yeah. a big, big ruckus, but they would rather just be left alone. Yeah. Uh, honestly, you ever come across one, just leave them be, let, let them have an exit point and they'll find it eventually. If you yeah. think it's dead in your garage, it probably just scared it. So get something to safely move it out into the front yard and probably come morning it will be gone. So Exactly right. You know. And also, if you want to cook it, remove the musk glands. Oh, from it. No. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but yeah. Oh, but you've been amazing, Rick. Thank you so much. Okay, Thank remember you. everybody, wash your pillowcases more often. It'll help improve your skin and your hair. Drink plenty of water. And most importantly, don't be an arsehole. Bye. Thank you for listening to Asshole Animals with Alice. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by heading over to Patreon to become a donor. Each donation you make helps me continue to make you laugh and learn about the assholes of the animal kingdom. You can find me on patreon.com slash arseholeanimals with Alice. It's as simple as that. See you next time.